This is the Missio Nexus Podcast, episode 53, January 2020. Well, this is going to be a special edition of the podcast. I'm going to do all the talking. There's no interview today. We're going to do a roundup of the last year. And I'm actually going to start by going out even broader. We're going to look at the last decade. I'm going to skip the sponsor section today and just jump right into it. And uh, I want to start by just saying that uh, 2010 to 2020 is the decade we're going to look at. Now, some people say that the decade doesn't really start until 2020 is over, and I think technically they're right. But 2020 seems like such a good marker that we're just going to we're going to run with it. And let me let me back up all the way to the year 2000 and tell you what I think was happening in the Great Commission community then that's influencing to this day. If you remember there was the AD 2000 movement, and there was a lot of um, excitement and ramp up about this global network. And when 2000 happened, the Louise Bush shut it down just like he promised he would shut it down when he began it. And there were a lot of what I would call spent expectations. There were a lot of ideas that, hey, we we're going to do a big thing by the year 2000. Some of those things happened, but <clears throat> the big picture things, they did not happen. And as a result, in 2000, from 2000 to 2010, what I saw happening in the Great Commission community was that there was a lot of navel-gazing. I think that's when many local churches began to really adopt a what they would call a missional mindset. And the concept there was that they didn't see foreign and domestic as different, but all things were now local. And there was a struggle with what really was happening here with uh, the future of the Great Mission from 2000 to 2010. And in 2010, a corner of sorts was turned as agencies just began to say to themselves, hey, it, it, it doesn't really matter what's going on out there. We've got a vision, we've got a mission, and we're going to go for it. And this this wasn't to diss the church in any way. But it was a realization that um, there were some disappointments there. The short-term mission um, thing, for example, was supposed to have produced a bumper crop of new missionary recruits, and that didn't happen. There was going to be this uh, huge engagement on the part of local churches globally, and instead churches really focused more locally, particularly as the megachurch movement took off, and uh, giving and involvement by sending per capita in megachurches showed uh, just a really stark drop-off. Um, now, what I mean by that is that there wasn't necessarily a drop-off in missionary sending by agencies, but the promise of megachurches as taking up the task of the Great Commission globally in any significant way has been rather disappointing. Of course, you had the, um, the Rick Warren Peace Plan, uh, made huge promises. Um, love those promises, by the way. This is not to criticize them for what they tried to do there, but it did not produce the kind of fruit we wanted. And so all of that's to say that in the beginning of our decade, agencies began to refocus and start to try to do their thing in a more uh, focused way. By the way, I'd be remiss if I didn't say that... Um, from my perspective, Bible colleges and seminaries have pretty much 
left the building when it comes to the Great Commission emphasis, um, at least through agencies. I think they've developed their own networks, their own, you know, EMS, for example, separated from Emission Nexus. Uh, a, a lot of things happen that make me think that there's, there's very little to no collusion any longer between seminaries and Bible colleges and most agencies. There's a few exceptions to that, but for the most part, um, that's really not a huge thing any longer. I should point out, too, that sometime between 2010 and 2020, we may have reached the peak. Now, there's a lot of uh, talk that, you know, the church is coming apart at the seams, young people aren't engaging, uh, the great evangelical recession ideas. Uh, Barna hits that, bangs that drum a lot, as does Pew Research. Um, you know, I, I think the jury's still out a little bit on that, but I do want to give you one marker that just crossed my desk. And that is that overall giving in foreign missions is trended down in the last year by about uh, 0.7%. Now, we do, Missio Nexus does this mission handbook project, and we released that a few years ago, and it showed actually that missionary deployment was up, not down, contrary to the naysayers. But it might be the next time that we do that same study we're going to actually see a downward trend in missionary sending. Now, keep in mind that mission agencies and mission sending, whether it's through an agency or another avenue, it lives by uh, the health of what I call the ecleo system, the church system that's out there. When the ecleo system is healthy, then missionary sending and giving is up. Um, so will that continue into the future? I don't know. Another trend here, by the way, in this um, giving is um, that <laughs> this is kind of shocking to me, but overall giving to um, short-term mission, um, it continues to be, well, I guess it's down a little bit in terms of cash giving. This, this chart that I have has a difference between cash giving and non-cash giving. In an, an anomaly in, in this giving, it shows that um, just about $1.8 billion was given toward uh, missions in total. Now, keep in mind, that includes the um, relief and development world, and, and I'm not sure that that is good to be included, but it's in there. You would think that non-cash giving would be way up because when the stock market is up, people can give stock at its original value and not take the huge capital gains hit when they give that way. But in reality, um, non-cash giving is down and direct cash giving is up. So, you know, who's to say? But looking back over the last decade, um, I just see more focus in the missions community. But because of what might be an ailing church, we could have peaked sometime in the last decade. And that would be a new message coming from me, by the way, because I keep telling people that the data has not showed a downturn in missionary sending. But I think when we get new data, perhaps we're going to see something different. Stay tuned. That, that information, by the way, should be available in about a year and a half or so. Okay, now how about 2010? What were the big highlights or headlines that we might want to think about when it comes to the Global Great Commission in, um, in 2019? Looking back over the last year, let me tell you what I think the biggest stories were. They're a little different than last year. We had a few events. Here we have a series of events that have created some more trending kinds of things. But 
For me, without a doubt, the biggest Great Commission story of 2019 is the Hong Kong protests. Now, the untold or unwritten part of this whole story, you won't see it in the mainstream media, is that much of this has been driven by Christians and Christian leaders in Hong Kong. Not all of it, for sure. But if you search for Shout to the Lord China protests, you're going to actually see protesters singing that praise and worship song during the protests. And what is happening is a fight over the heart and soul of China. And because China is an evangelical powerhouse today, I think that this is the biggest story of 2019. Number two would be related to that, and that is the continuing purge of Christians and Muslims in China, the shutting down of churches, mosques, the continued surveillance state, the incarceration and re-education of Muslims in China. That story in 2019 has been a huge story. Very disturbing to me. Very disturbing. And it also brings up what I think is the third biggest 2019 story, and that is the exportation of the surveillance state at the hands or at the at the insistence of the Chinese as they develop other nations. I, you know, this whole concept of a um, surveillance state delivered through the internet in China and through cell phones is extremely scary. Probably the biggest civil rights issue of our era. Uh, not the only one, but a huge one. And, and let me just say that as China moves into Africa and South America, they are predicating their investment. They are saying, you can't, we're not going to invest in you unless you adopt these types of really terrible surveillance strategies. And they're all tied back to China. And let me tell you that it's chilling, extremely, extremely chilling, especially for people working in restricted access countries. So let's keep, an, keep our eye on that as we move forward. I think it's going to affect um, how we work and our strategies and methods are going to have to be bent around overcoming this surveillance state um, globally. But it also brings up number four in my list of big stories. And that is, um, this might be unpopular with some out there, but the positive developments in how the Trump administration has been treating religious liberties. And, uh, you know, let me just say that uh, you can research this online, but there has possibly never been an administration that has tried to deliver as much uh, in terms of religious liberties as this particular administration has been doing. Again, this would be a story you're not going to hear reported much on the mainstream press. Uh, I don't really think they care a lot about religious liberties. But we who believe in, uh, really there are two things here that are important. One is the freedom of conscience to make any kind of choices about your religious worldview that you want to make. And secondly, uh, freedom of speech, the right to say things that others might find um, unhappy or um, unacceptable. You know, that, that really, those two, those two things are wrapped up in the whole concept of what it means to be a missionary. And so I am um, personally encouraged by what I see there. I don't think it's going to be long term, by the way. I think it's going to be short lived as uh, 
I don't know how much longer we're going to see that type of thinking continue. Number five on my list is the, the event, the bombings that happened on April 21st in Sri Lanka. It's interesting that the Christians make up such a small part of that culture, that society, and yet, um, wow, they are in the middle of a fight for their lives. And so this warrants our prayer and our continued concern. What's going on in Sri Lanka, um, by the way, is if you remember, we had Prashant Devisser as a speaker at our conference this year. He's a leading voice in trying to bring reconciliation through the youth in that country. And um, let's pray for him and their ministry. Next up, uh, number six, going to surprise you, the Notre Dame Cathedral burning. And to me, this is a little bit of an anthropological story. And the reason for that is Europe has pretty much, especially France, uh, trumpeted secularism. And I find it astonishing. It's a good example of how deep uh, culture and religious worldview runs that in probably the Mecca of secularism. Remember, the French Revolution was a decidedly secular revolution. When the Catholic cathedral in Paris burns, the culture responded in anguish and in calls to rebuild it. And what, what that communicates to me, and it should communicate this to anybody who does cross-cultural work, is that worldview issues are really deeply embedded in our hearts, and they are not easily overcome. It's a little bit the same story that I experienced when I worked in Bosnia, where we saw a resurgent Islam after many, many years of being repressed. People tend to return to their roots. So I thought that was a big story, not necessarily affecting the spread of the gospel, but in terms of it being an anthropological, missiological thing, I thought that was important. That happened back in April. Um, another big story for the Great Commission um, in 2019 was just the continued reporting of sexual abuse. In 2019, it affected uh, Missio Nexus member um, International Mission Board. And, you know, I'm not going to comment on the story much more than to say that um, it's with deep anguish that these things happen. And I think they'll continue to happen. And it's because sinful people uh, working with um, youth are going to take advantage of them. And we in the Great Commission community need to go above and beyond in protecting the children in our midst. So pay attention to that story and ask, you, ask yourself, are we doing enough here? Next up, number eight. The ongoing movement, this isn't happening just recently, but it's certainly continuing to happen, but the ongoing movement of Muslims to Christ. Uh, we should be very encouraged by the fact that we are continuing to see many Muslims come to Christ, and I think this is going to reverberate into the future as these Muslims, these Muslim background believers, take up the cross and themselves lead the efforts to reach other Muslims. Um, very, very incredible and exciting time in history as we are seeing more Muslims coming to Christ now than ever. So uh, fantastic news there and very encouraging. Next up, 
Number nine, the continuing spread of movement-oriented, disciple-making movement-oriented strategies in various um, agencies. Now, I used to say U.S.-based agencies, but the, the mantle on this has really been taken up way more recently by the uh, non-Western church. And I know that there's some that don't like these strategies, but the truth is these things are continuing to proliferate and grow, both the training and the instances of movements. By the way, I don't believe the big hype numbers. Um, I don't think that you know what we're seeing uh, reported is necessarily what's happening at the scale that it's, you know, you're hearing about millions and millions and millions, etc., Probably not happening that way, but but the results that we're seeing are still far outpacing what we'd seen previously. And so to me, this is a big story. It will continue to be a big story um, as these movements try to replicate themselves. Finally, number 10, it's going to be an odd one for you, but Kanye West, that is a Great Commission story. Um, probably limited right now in scope to the U.S., although people living in other mostly Western cultures have told me that it's really reverberated there in certain ways as well. But Kanye West is an interesting case. You know, I'm leery of celebrity conversions because when I was a young believer, I lived through the Bob Dylan conversion and then subsequent, um, I don't know, was it an unconversion? I don't know. I can't make that statement or comment for Bob Dylan. But I do think that um, Kanye West has been a surprising um, and unique gift to the church. Now, I realize he's out there hobnobbing with the likes of Joel Olstein and, and others, but it's making people ask questions. And you, and you really can't fault some of the preaching. I don't know if you've listened to much of it, but some of the preaching and teaching that's happened at some of these rallies has, for me, been quite impressive. And so that is a fun one that I'm going to finish off my list with. And that is Ted Esler's um, 10 items that I would mention um, in 2019. Now, feel free to email me any thoughts. you might, If you think I'm missing a huge story that's out there, send it my way. And uh, maybe we'll try to include it in the future podcast. But there you have it. Okay, time on the podcast for a question from the mailbag and something I like. But before we get there, we got two Missio Nexus events coming up, and I sure hope you'll consider them. Um, one is called Critical Skills for Emerging Leaders, and this is for younger leaders. Okay, these are for people that are aspiring leaders in your organization. That might be you. Check it out on our website. If you're a CEO and you're looking for ways to develop millennials, hey, they love that stuff, right? Go ahead and submit their names or suggest them to us or just go ahead and sign them up. We'd love to see them there. And the other one is the um, CEO peer-to-peer retreat that's happening. In uh, It's the last day of March, first two days of April. It's filling up. A lot of CEOs are bringing their spouses, both male and female spouses. Love to see you there. It's going to be, I think, a really good event held in San Francisco. Question from the mailbag comes from Darren Carlson's The Gospel Coalition article. And a few people have written to me saying, Ted, 
Do you know any examples of this? He contends in that article that we may be diverting resources from reached areas in a less than strategic way. And the question I'm getting is, Ted, can you cite any places where we have diverted resources in a less than strategic way to less reached areas? In other words, are we moving resources away from those areas with a lot of Christians or at least more Christians than others in them? And this one to me was a serious head scratcher. I have no idea where our brother has gotten the idea that we are diverting resources in a less than strategic way, um, a real head-scratcher. I think it may emanate from the fact that TGC as a movement is very kind of teaching and theologically based. Carlson mentions in there seminaries, and it could be that this really is rooted more on the idea that we're not emphasizing um, seminaries as much in the Great Commission community and more focused potentially on discipleship and um, evangelism and those kinds of things. I'm not sure, but um, if you're asking me, no, I am not aware of any places where we have diverted resources um, away from reached areas. In fact, the least reached areas continue to be vastly and grossly underserved. Okay, something I like, I'm going to give you an author recommendation. I'm going to preface this with telling you this is not a Christian author. Uh, they're not writing Christian books. If you can't handle some F-bombs and things along that line in your reading, this author is not for you. Um, my wife and I have enjoyed Cormac McCarthy, um, who's an American author, written a bunch of books. And uh, you could start with um, All the Pretty Horses. It's a coming-of-age Western. Um, very, uh, just really gifted um, word pictures given in these books that just paint some incredible images in your mind. I like to read material that inspires me to be a better writer. And Cormac McCarthy has done that for me. And so if you're looking for a uh, secular author, a novelist that can help you think a little deeper about how to write I found Cormac McCarthy to be uh, really great at doing that for me. So that is uh, something from the mailbag. I mean, <laughs> something that I like. Also the question from the mailbag. Hope you have a blessed January. Hope you have a great 2020. This should be a very interesting year, uh, being an election cycle year and all. Um, you have a great one wherever you're at. Be blessed.